live from the apocalypse. This is State of the Game After Dark. I am your host, the Fresh Prince of Nowhere, and <laughs> my co-host, um, Bill from Kill Bill, uh, the Rick James of Southern Maine, K. Diggy. I like that. No hostage <laughs> situation. No hostage situation. There. Um, but yes, uh, I am. I am. I'm sipping a bit. Mm. Celebratory sip here. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if there's a tangible difference. <laughs> it's funny. This is like this is your most low key introduction I've ever seen you do. I was trying, I was trying, to, give the, I was trying to give the different vibes here. Um, so, and we we're today we're talking about the because I'll tell you I don't think there's that many big uh, independent labels anymore. There are, there are record labels, you know, like Arista, whatever, whatever the fuck, but like there aren't like deaf jooks kind of labels, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Mellow Music Group is great. They don't really have a running roster. They kind what? of, people come to them, do albums with them and go other places, right? They're like, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like independent comic books, like Image Comics and shit, where they're like, you have a great idea, come here, we'll help you put it out. You know, you'll have full ownership, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of low-key in that way. Um, but Jux was a team, right? Yeah. But it was, and, and you know, all, Rhyme Sayers was a team, and uh, Raucous was a team. Back in this era, there were, like, labels, and those labels had style. They had their own specific style. Uh, and fan base mm -hmm. and I wanted to look at what that personality was and how that personality of Def Jook specifically has, has moved forward uh, and we did that by plucking the very top of the top in terms of classic albums we couldn't throw Fantastic Damage in there because we already covered it in the LP episode right mm -hmm. um but LP is going to be discussed, certainly. <laughs> um, Absolutely. He, so, Cannibal Ox, Cold Vein. Take a sip on that. <laughs> and Labor Days by Aesop Rock. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And then uh, MERS 316. Mers and Ninth Wonder. Ninth Wonder. And believe it or not, that's the one I was most familiar with of these three. Mm -hmm. I was a big Mers guy. Oh, um, okay. I was a big Mers guy back in the day. Uh, and I loved this album. I, I, I still love this album. Um, but it is, it's, it's a different flavor, man. It's a different flavor. Uh, yeah, I mean the Mers. Uh, is that what you want to start with? You want to start with well, Mers? Yeah, we're gonna talk. We're first gonna start to talk about the albums individually, right? Mm -hmm. Knock those out. Then we can find like common characteristics, shared values that defined that character of the label, and how those kind of move forward into today. So, 
we can certainly start with, I mean, and this is not nothing against this album. If you told people who know rap music that you were doing these three albums, they would say that is the, you know, the tale of this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. just because of the company it's keeping, you know? Uh, Right. But yeah, what did you think of it? Which one? 316, verse 316. Um, now for me, like, you know, you know how I, I'm not a prude, but you know how I am about some of the, uh, the sexual lyrics. Yes. So yes. for me, like, the first thing that really gra- caught my attention uh, was the, the production. Oh, yeah. uh, on this album uh because particularly because i listened to this uh the the order that i listened to the albums was i listened to cold band first then mers 316 ninth edition the ninth edition yeah. uh followed by um uh labor days labor days so it was there was a there was a big juxtaposition between the the production uh, between the Cold Vein and Mers 316. So I really got into the production, but then halfway between, halfway into the album of Mers 316, uh, he had a song on it. Let me see. I can give you the specific title. Freak These Tales? Was it Freak These Tales? Yes. Yeah, but. Freak These Tales. That's when he was, that's when I kind of like got lost. I was like, okay, my man, like you kind of lost me right here. Um, but I mean, it, it, Trevor and them walk like a man. There's the back half has some stuff on it, man. It's not, it's not all like porn rap or anything. It's not, yeah. Yeah, I mean it. But the thing about albums, like the way I see albums, like once you get into an album, like it's almost like a trance state. You know what I mean? Like you're in this trance. And once something snaps you out of that trance, it's going to take you a little bit of time to get back into it, get back into that groove, into that flow. Right. And Freak These Tales, like, kind of, like, snapped me out of the trance I was in. And I had to, like, kind of, like, step back, like, okay, wow, this is a little bit too much for me. But then, I mean, I think by the end of it, uh, he kind of, got back into, you know, his wheelhouse, got, 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 got back comfortable, got me feeling comfortable with where, what he was like spinning, I guess you could say. And important to note, like Murs is a critically important artist in the history of the medium. He, and, and you, you know me, I'm not a guy who looks for smoke. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> I didn't even get in fights in the army. Like, <laughs> I'm a nice guy. As a MERS diehard, I will tell you, this is an artist who has lost his mind at least three times. Like uh, literally or like, or like, with, like I was just talking to Nate LeBlanc and we were talking about MERS uh, okay. a little bit. And cause they, I, cause my first reaction to the album was, Ninth doesn't go this hard anymore. Like, Ninth doesn't make bangers like this anymore. Yeah. Uh, these are bangers, dude. Absolutely. Like, 
Batman is fucking awesome. Like that's mm-hmm. that shit runs. And so I was like, that's cool. Um, so I was talking to him about how like soul sample based rap sometimes it can get pretty tedious. Like sometimes if you slow it down and it's at the right. same pace. And I was talking about how maybe Griselda needs more small professor and less Derringer. Like they need like some momentum behind the soul samples. Yeah, there's gotta be there's gotta be a little bit of a kick to it. You know what I mean? If you're gonna do and what I loved about Ninth on this Ninth Wonder on this album was yeah, he used the soul samples, but there was a little bit of kick, a little bit of spice to it. Totally. Uh so that I mean that really helped helped me get into get into the album uh a lot more than if it were just MERS on different production. Mm-hmm. No, it was it was a good relationship and it's different. MERS isn't the guy you would put with ninth if you imagined them. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that kind of works. That works really well for them. Yeah. Uh, ninth is always really good when you put him with someone you wouldn't imagine him with. Think about monkey bars with Sean Price and the shit that Ninth did on that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was because you were like, really? These two together? Yeah, it works better. Uh, that contrast works better. So absolutely. But yeah, we're talking about that that conflict, and then we we're talking about people who put out too much music. And I said, do you remember that year when Merz put out ten albums in a year? How did he put out 10 albums in a year? He was like, yes. We agreed. It was awful. It was awful. One of them, um, I think it was in that year. It's a. It's called Melrose. Look up the album awesome. cover. It's Murs and Terrace Martin. And Terrace Martin is a genius. He's fantastic. But this album is terrible. And the cover is like two ladies grabbing, oh, their, grabbing their man parts in the, yeah. Uh. yeah it, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Wow. Um, but, okay. like, so this, <laughs> but, but so the, the ending, the positive ending of the story, so this is a guy, he actually, Murs tried to cross over, right? From underground to pop. He was, he, as you've heard, he has a very pop delivery, right? You you can yes. hear everything Murs says. You know what I mean? And he's good at making song concepts, right? Right. Yes. Trevor and them is awesome. Uh, like Hustle is a killer song. Uh, he knows how to explain himself within the verse, and everybody understands what he's talking about. Um, so he tried to go pop. He made an album called Murs for President. Okay. And he tried to cross over. It didn't happen. It didn't cross. And that was, you know, another time when he lost his mind um, after that. But he actually recently, I listened to an album of his from either last year or the year before. It was good. It was good. Mm. Like, he's, yeah, you know. He's been through a lot, man. He's been through a lot. Uh, and I, I think the best way to explain his legacy 
is uh this is this is the connective tissue right between okay. between little brother and drake okay okay all right i'm i'm following you so like little brother was really fucking good man and it was really smooth and the, and the singing was beautiful the rapping was great it was very southern um and drake is very like lady focused and narcissistic but charming <laughs> and mers has the middle ground there uh he see I, yeah i i would agree with that i think mers like what I'll say is like, I just felt like this, this album, cause I'm conflicted because one, I, like you said, he, he has a great grasp of song concept. Like he picks a song concept and he sticks to that concept and he really explores it. But to me, it, like it just felt like the song concepts were all over the map a little bit. <laughs> he really were. And like, I compared it to like, if you listen to you know Kendrick Lamar's "Good Kid, Good Kid, Mad City." Yeah. Now, like those songs were like the content wasn't like the song content wasn't like uh, cohesive in a way. Like each song was about a different subject, but the way that he structured it and the way that the album was laid out, it allowed me to overlook that, and it kind of there he was able to add an overarching context. Right that allowed me to really get into the flow uh, and enjoyed the album, even though each of the songs was vastly different. I did not get that with Murs, cause like with the song, like the middle song that I had a problem with was, you know, he was talking about, uh, I'll say it mildly, he was talking about his sex life. Right. And then like either the next song or the song after that was about his friend getting murdered and right. how he had to get revenge for that. Like how do i make how do you ask ask me as a listener to make that logical jump to that subject it was jarring i mean it, it's the but he he does have that pre-drake gene in him let me give you a lyric here mm -hmm. i said it to you yep the pain because i'm tired of getting shot down put down and dissed i want to be picked up held tight and kissed but things like these don't happen to dudes like me because I'm more Coldplay than I am Ice-T. <laughs> I it's just like, I remember, I heard that, just, I was like, oh shit, he was ahead of the curve. Like, he was doing it, man. Like, the, like we used, I tell you about that, we used to have these dudes who would go to the poetry reading to get girls <laughs> so they'd sign up on the list and they'd say shit like that like girl i can't believe it like i can't believe what cosmo magazine is telling you about your body girl <laughs> that's, that's i mean that's what i was i was so conflicted with him because there was like a slight there was a slight tinge of toxic masculinity I mean, it was, 
it, you know what? Like, here's the thing. Like, if I had heard that song when it was released, let me get the date. It was, it was released in March 23rd, 2004. Yep. Like, if I had heard that album when it was released in 2004, I would have connected with it. Absolutely. Totally. But listening to the album in 2020, we're listening to it in a different context. So it's kind of, maybe that's why it was like so jarring to me. I mean, and for me, it's low key because later on, MERS starts showing up at radio stations with porn stars, dude. Like, MERS. <laughs> now, the difference between MERS and those dudes at the poetry reading, a lot of those dudes <laughs> at the poetry reading weren't weren't incredible looking dudes. They were okay looking dudes. <laughs> Mertz is a good looking dude. I don't know if you've seen the picture. He's a good looking dude. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw the cover and I'm sure he would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, I mean. He was <laughs> so he was with the content and with the way he could gain the system and he's very good beat picker. Uh, yeah. You know, good with a hook. He was just, you know, he was kind of stuck between pop and underground, right? Like, yeah, he he, he has lyrics on here. Um, Hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, with the one of my favorite songs because he's talking about like selling lemonade on the, or like selling tin cans and stuff. Yeah, and selling drugs and like he's got a unique personal experience. Uh, but he says we don't do diamonds because my dudes ain't show offs trying to keep it low so we don't see no cops want to blow up but i don't want to go pop gotta blow up because i can't let this dough stop and i was kind of like i call bullshit like (laughs) you kind of do want to go pop like to be and you will later go pop try you know like your style makes sense in the pop media absolutely there were, you you could sense that unease and what like i could sense like listening to him i could sense the unease and what he wanted to what direction he wanted to go in and right. so if if the artist who's performing on the album is that isn't at ease that's not going to allow me as a listener to be at ease either so ultimately i really like this album it, it is a really important album in Jook's history. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a really important underground album. Uh, kind of because it shows, it shows that underground people aren't all the same. They're not like yelling at you about chemtrails all the time. They're not, you know, like t- talking down to you about fracking. Like some of these <laughs> dudes like are from tough neighborhoods, have yeah. lost people and uh, want to listen to Coldplay and girls. Like, it's, you know, and that's that's cool. It's cool to have different experiences and different points of view. So Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. think people, like, if you listen, like, with Def, with Def Jux, I only talk about the other two albums. Like, the other two albums that we listen to are much heavier in tone than this album. Yep. Uh, so the fact that there's space on Def Jux for an artist like Murs right. to exist and, you know, be his full self is that, I mean, that tells, but, you know, he's able to be his full self yet still have that uh, artistic in- 
uh, integrity uh, that the other two artists have that says a lot about Def Jux. Yeah, man. No, it's, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And, and they're, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these are New York dudes, right? Like, mm-hmm. very New York. And this is a very West Coast, this is a, like, Merz is a very West Coast dude. Um, and, you know, it, it's a, they, they're just always willing to experiment. Definitely. Yeah. It, was, it was, that was what was kind of cool about it. Um, so, Let's who we got the big two next. Um, where do you want to where do you want to go next of the, these two albums? I I would go the Cold Vein. Okay, Cold Vein by Cannibal Ox. Uh, now, I I I was about to reach out to Alaska, who's on this album. I've actually interviewed someone on this album, which is pretty awesome. Um, but he's on Adam. Yep, the song yep. Adam. Yeah. Yep. Because he's part of that, they call themselves the Adams family, uh, hmm. and it's like included everybody. So he, Alaska, was on this album, and was gonna reach to him, but then I found the Call Out Culture podcast where they talked about this album. It's mm-hmm. brilliant, uh, and Alaska gives the full story, man. Gives the full breakdown, uh, and like. Vortal Mega was like 15 or something. And I think Vast was like 16 or 17. And all of the Jux dudes were like college kids. You can imagine how dope someone has to be for you to be a college person and invite a 15-year-old into your clique. Wow. You know what I mean? He was just talented. And, And the story is, this is a story you hear everywhere is that Vortal would go into the booth with part of his verse done and freestyle the rest. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it does not sound like it. No, no. I would have never imagined that. Right, right. I mean, he's cool and composed and it's unbelievable. Uh, but... Zilla Rocca on that episode, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this, described Cold Vein as the best winter album in hip-hop history. Agreed. Agreed. There was a level of, for me, like this was the first Def Jux album that I listened to. There was a level of, what I'll say, it was very cinematic to me. Like I pictured the music, like the soundscapes that they were rapping on were very cinematic to me. Like I, like I could close my eyes and I had like a vision of what, you know, this beat was supposed to represent. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was very minimalist as well. And he, they just did LP, the producer, uh, did ju- just did a great job of setting the mood. Right. Setting the vibe from the gate of what, what we were getting into. So another thing that was said on Call Out Culture was that, uh, and I don't care, I'm going to steal talking points all day, fuck it. Uh, but <laughs> they said that that uh, LP is really the star of this album. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the production, the production is what stills, I mean, for me, is the highlight 
of of the album. I mean, the lyric the lyricism is great, obviously, but the production is just so dy not dynamic. Dynamic's not the word. It's so cinematic. Like it's he does such a great job of creating an atmosphere, creating uh like a world for the listener to go to that once we step foot on that planet once we start listening like we're we're in like we're we're not we're not leaving this planet until like the last the last note of the album for for the production i would and this is i where my brain goes with this stuff but i would say it's very thick production in the sense that he was lp at this time was really obsessed with uh with Blade Runner, the movie Blade Runner from the 70s. Yeah, okay. And loved Blade Runner and wanted this kind of like thickness and depth that Blade Runner had. But the difference is uh these beats are running. Like it's these these beats have movement, right? Yeah. They they're they're running, they're pushing a pace and mm-hmm. they're not like you know, back like uh, remember when like cloud rap was a big deal or whatever. Or, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was like vibe based. Like the yeah. kind of don't go anywhere. You just float through the track. There's nothing right. right. He pushes the pace. Like he loves the pacing of old school rap. Run DMC, nice and smooth. Uh, he loves that pace. Right. We're rapping. Right, mm-hmm. he wants that pace, but he also wants the thickness and depth of the Blade Runner cinematic feel. Yeah, and he somehow does it all on this fucking album. Yeah, I mean, there there's a level of gravitas to to this to this album. Like even right. like if you took away, like I would listen to this album even if there wasn't any lyrics on it. Let me give you a recommendation. I don't. Okay. I don't know if you've set up a Bandcamp account, but you should have already. Uh, <laughs> if you do, there's this place called I Hip Hop on Bandcamp. They are selling this album. Uh, the album, the 14 tracks, and the instrumentals. Oh. 30 tracks total, like, uh, for $9.99. Like, I wow. copped it. Immediately, I was like, let's go. Um, so it's a good deal. Um, it's, it's, it's an album to own. It, it, listening to it, my first reaction was another of these things, because I was thinking of ACLO's Book of Human Language, like another of these fucking classics that I've never heard of. Yeah. Like, well, I had yeah. heard of Cold Vein. I had heard of Cold Vein. And I, I was an anti-Jooks guy. I had turned my nose up at it. I really hadn't <laughs> much attention. But so much of what we love now comes from this. Yeah. Right? There's but so this much is actually cotton. done better, though. There's so much cotton in this. There's so much Marcy in this. There's so much of that kind of New York boom bap manipulated and refreshed, right? Yeah. Uh, Billy Woods, obviously. I mean, there's proof of Billy Woods being influenced by this. Yeah. I'll tell you. 
so Billy Woods is his dad is is from uh, uh, Zimbabwe, something like that. Yeah, and he his dad passed away, I think, and they moved back to Zimbabwe for a time. When he by the time he came back to New York, he became like social friends with Vortomega. Mm. and just was like inside the click. He tells a story where like Vortal plays him Alaska and he goes, this guy's white. And Billy's Woods is like, this guy's white. Like, <laughs> so like there's a real, like he was talking about how Vortal's show, flow shifted uh, and it used to be louder and he, quieted it down and made it more agile like so Billy Woods is an example of somebody who didn't necessarily grow up wanting to be like insert pop rapper he these were his heroes mm. look up go through the Billy Woods discography and find out how many Aesop rock features there are there's a bunch wow. he loved everything about this uh, and these people and he's on Vortal's album, like Mega Graffiti, uh, Billy Woods is. So we don't get Billy Woods without this album. What? Right? We don't get uh, Billy Woods without Labor Day. So we don't get Elusive. We don't get all these guys, right? Uh, Open Mike Eagle, his favorite rapper is Doom, right? Very connected to this space. Mm -hmm. um, so this is an influential era and it's an argument for underground being critically important uh, yeah i mean uh, absolutely and you could see some of the sound leak into uh i mean particularly like you know drake when when i hear like the poppy rap like drake uses some of these maybe not as concentrated as uh like the Colvin or LP would, but he uses these elements in some of his music. Uh, I think there, like you said, there's a level of gravitas, there's a level of darkness to yeah. it um, that was really, for me, it was it was it was like cinematic. Like it was it it was it goes beyond listening to music, and it transports me to someplace else. Right. Just just the beat. Yeah, no, it's the the beats are are unbelievable, and, and really one of the things I remember when people were asking LP about rap music now, and they kind of were like trying to get the old man answer, and he was like, "No, it's great. Like, I don't know how anyone's mad. Like, the eight oh eights are so good now, and yeah, you, you can hear like the hi hats in his beats are on another level." Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he's, he's a, on there, and it, so it's like, you know, there's pre-trap moments in in some of the LP production. I mean, I mean, he's he's a master at at his at his craft, I'll say. Um, and I mean, I I just think it really, like you said, it it created it created a lane for where it could be more like. For nowadays, for rappers nowadays, underground rappers nowadays, it's more than 
so they're not only listening to their lyrics, but they're also listening to the mood and they're, they're aware of the mood that they're trying to create. Right. Um, yep. So I, I, I mean, I, I think, I think it was, uh, I, I think it was great. Uh, and what we talked about with groups and important part of groups being voices that mm -hmm. set each other off. This is the UGK model of, of groups, right? Uh, Vortal is your bun B. He is locked in. He is a technician. He could do this in his sleep, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and really, the only reason I felt bad about saying LP is the star of this is because I think Vast is unbelievable. Right. Vast is so good and so many weird pimp C scene stealing moments. <laughs> that he has on here mm -hmm. uh, where he just the the only fucking thing you remember is him because he just he just killed it yeah they were talking oh your visual dropped out there you go oh yep you know, they were talking about uh iron galaxy so they said the first song released by def jicks was simian drugs uh this but the b-side of that was Iron Galaxy. Okay. And they were talking about how weird Iron Galaxy is. Think about Iron Galaxy as a song. There's huge instrumental parts. And then Vortal will come in and just be like, bang, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And then it'll go back into an instrumental part, long instrumental part. And then Vortal comes in with a wild closing verse, right? Um, and, and Alaska said that there is something the vast says at the end of iron galaxy that is, uh, the most, that, that is the most important single, uh, bar in Def Jux history, mm. that it really set the personality of the label. And that line is, you were a stillborn baby. Mother didn't want you, but you were stillborn. Yeah. So it was, and, and he said, like, Alaska oh, said, like, when you see the titles of these, like, uh, songs, Iron Galaxy. Uh, Let's go. Iron Galaxy, Ox on the, Out the Cage, Adam. Ridiculoid, AB yeah. Boys Alpha, yep. Raspberry Fields, Straight yep. Off the DIC, Vane, The F Word, Stref, Stress Rap, Battle for Asgard, Asgard, yep. Real Earth, yep. Ridiculoid, Painkillers, Pain Pigeon, Scream Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. When he says, when you see those titles, just know like those guys talk like that. They walk around <laughs> and talk like that. Like, you know, this is Iron Galaxy God. Like, they, they were just these insane fly New York characters, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, people like Ghostface and Raekwon were just existing on a different plane, right? And so their, their minds are in a different creative place. Uh, that's where these guys were at. And so they had these lines that were just like, 
what? Yeah. Um, and that one kind of set the tempo for, we're going to be different, right? Yeah. We're going to be different. We're going to do it differently. This, uh, my favorite verse is, is vast airs on a B-Boys Alpha. Okay. It starts, my mother said, you sucked my pussy when you came out. Don't ever talk back. I handed you life and I'll snatch it back. I'm just a latchkey kid with a snotty nose, high school dropout, space I'm around, need whiteout. Like he was just going off. That verse was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the imagery, the the imagery is on initial listen shock on initial listening shocking. But then once you get past it and understand what they're actually saying it, it it gets a little bit deeper so there's like a juxta there's like a juxtaposition between the imagery that we have even and it even goes back to the stillborn right uh line that you said like the you know the imagery of a stillborn but yet you were still born like they're playing with the imagery that we have in our head but yet there's a different meaning behind the imagery that we have to comprehend and adjust to yeah. so it creates it's 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 it creates a like a level of uncomfortability that we we have to through but once we ultimately do like it makes us better as yeah. listeners yeah i mean it it's a it's one of the most new york albums ever mm. uh, i mean and some of the song concepts are are intense it is mm -hmm. sad it's a sad album uh they're pigeons as a concept i mean pigeons vortal had it as a concept kicked it to vast and he was like this is great and he just jumped in and it, he was perfect with it it's the intense thing was originally vortal was going to be a group with alaska which makes more sense okay uh but Vast is such a different voice at a different speed. And he's so playful. You remember Raspberry Fields? Yep. Where he does the like, oh no, I said the same word or whatever. <laughs> and then he like does the same verse again. So nice. I'm going to yeah. say it twice. And like, yeah, broke, kind of broke the fourth wall a little bit. He was that Third dude. Wall. He was just. He it was he was very in the moment. His verses are very in the moment. Everybody's verses are very in the moment, um, mm -hmm. and it feel organic. It feels connected to loving to rap. Yeah, right. I think Zilla said that his favorite beat on here was stress rap, and he said you play stress rap for any group of MCs and they're ready to shred it. They're like, let's go. <laughs> This is great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I thought the whole second half was strong. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even necessarily read just because I love Scream Phoenix. I think Ridiculous is an insane beat. Yeah. It's like so weird and atonal that like LP kind of makes fun of it in the beginning. Being weird and atonal, I think Raspberry Fields is gorgeous. Yep. Love that beat. Um, 
like the F word, the F word beat was great as well for me. The F word, we should talk about it because it's a very smart song, man. These are smart people. Like, yeah, the F word is not about fucking. It's not about like swearing at you. It is very smart and very smartly handled uh, in terms of the content and the friend zone topic, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's relatable as fuck. Like, yeah. there's a lot of relatable shit in here. For the, And that's the kind of dichotomy that exists maybe in all three of these albums, but certainly in, in Labor Days and Cold Vein. There's the fantastical, right? Iron Galaxy, the cover with the robot guys, like Scream Phoenix, these kind of magical, fantastical ideas. Um, and the real, like, on-the-street discussion of, of the world around them. Mm-hmm. Latchkey Kid uh, from a shitty area, put in the friend zone. Like, it, it's... It, it, yeah. Yeah. That oh. Yeah, no, that, 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 make, yeah, make, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I... I as you said, I enjoyed the lyrics. I enjoyed the beat. Um, let me get, sorry, let me get the lyric. Cause there were a couple lines that kind of st- stuck out with me. Let me just pull the lyrics up. Yeah. Um, While you're doing that, I'll just blabber on a little bit. Uh, but okay. yeah, I was just reminded of like Marvel comics, I guess, because Marvel comics has this, has this rule that the president in Marvel comics is the president in real life. They don't oh, make okay. president like there was a point where Lex Luthor was the president in DC Comics uh, to give it like a Superman versus the president thing, right? Uh, which got old real quick. But Marvel doesn't do any of that shit. Marvel's like, nope, the president is the president. Fuck you. Like they're realistic <laughs> with it, but at the same time, they're the fucking you know, raccoon with the gun people like they're the crazy space people they've got more weird space shit than anyone dude and weird alien civilizations and stuff that they just pulled out of their butt uh, or pulled out of weird 60s movies so they've got the most fantastical and the most realistic going on at the same time right and that is jooks was working i think yeah so i'm looking so I, i pulled up the lyrics uh, so vast air, like his first verse, he has he has a couple lines. A fly girl by any other name would still be that, but the trick is to see that I'm caught in between features, fantasies, and memories I played back. Told yeah, my man I started sword fen- fighting, cause fencing was similar to tongue kissing. If you wait too long, you're gonna end up confessing. All I think about is you undressing. Um, and then there's some real poetry, man. I mean, it's oh not, yeah, it, it's not frivolous. And then Vortal Me- Megala, Megala on his on the hook, second hook, tangle within my opposite sex friendships with too many emotions got me bent up, and it's real ill when something's going on but nothing's being said, trying to figure it out. 
Whew. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and that's the hook. I mean, that's that's the hook. That's part of the hook. Yeah, no, it, it look, there is nothing on this album that they take for granted. There's no there's no moment where they're like, this is just fun. This is just a half of fun. It's they're they're feeling the shit. They're they're living this shit, uh, and it's it's profound. I don't know if you've watched the Def Jux documentary on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a three part documentary there, uh, but they were all kind of in this little place with this little computer, just kind of making this music, uh, freestyling together. It's amazing. Um, and I think Cold Vein is, is something that I, I'm going to be living with for a long time. Yeah. Right. Um, what, so what was your Labor Day's take, man? I mean, Labor Day's was, it was fascinating because I've, it's one of the few albums where I had to change the way I listened to it. Uh, Labor Day is, is, is a unique album because there's so much going on. You can't, you can't possibly process everything. No. Uh, well, when you're listening to it. So, I mean, I had to break it down into levels on the, how I listened to it. Yep. Like I listened to it on a beat level, like, production blockheads production yep and then now it's interesting because i aesop rock now i had to how i listened to him i also had to split it up so that's good i listened to his flow like i listened to it on like a technical level uh and listened to like listened and appreciated like for his personality uh and how that shined through his flow on a on a technical level but then i had to split it up on i had to go and like look up and read what he was actually saying because i was not able to like all three of these things i wasn't able to process them all at the same time because it's just so overwhelming yeah and, he, and and his flow was like so relentless like i couldn't i couldn't appreciate his flow at the same time appreciate what he was saying on top of appreciating the details of the of the production at the same time so i had to kind of split it up and kind of section it off so that i could comprehend everything that was going on i think for a whole set of people labor days is reasonable doubt level important Mm -hmm. Uh, in what it means for lyricism uh in what it means for conscious rap right like there was i I was talking to to blank one of the things i said was conscious rap had a lot of people talking in seductive voices about politics and it got weird (laughs) um like i always used to make the joke that there's the voice you talk to me in and there's the voice you use when your girl calls totally different voice right <laughs> oh, my. and like people were were rapping in that voice <laughs> and i was like what uh, yeah. but it, they found a way 
to kind of have everything, right? Like in in Labor Day's ASAP is tough and his flow switches speeds. Yeah. He's got multiple speeds. Uh, and he's got jokes. He's got funny references. Yeah. Um he's he's got critical points about humanity, poetic oh, stuff that you need to like have read shit to know. Uh it's all mixed up. It's all part of a oneness. Yeah. And the same way, you remember I, I used to tell you all the time that like what makes reasonable doubt special is he's rapping like he might not be able to do this again. Mm-hmm. There's a part of Jay that knows we've been at this for a while. We've been trying right. to get these deals. It hasn't worked out. This might not land. Yeah. If it doesn't land, I'm putting everything on the table. Yeah. Right? Yeah. La- Labor Day feels like that. It feels like everything on the table. Absolutely. And what I appreciated about Labor Days is – it's ambition. It's very ambitious. Yep. Uh, I mean, so it's the the album is fourteen tracks. Last last over, the the total runtime is sixty one minutes and three seconds. Right. But for him to create, try to attempt to create a concept album. Uh, with such such so many dense lyrics and try to try to you know tie all of these songs together is ambitious and and yeah right and and you don't see and you don't see a lot of that ambition nowadays so i i appreciated him as you said like jay like jay was reasonable about reasonable doubt swinging for the fences giving it their best shot and trying to make something that they felt was important. And I will tell you, it's the thing that Aesop really has that I think Billy Woods builds on is Aesop is never trying to confuse you. Right. As a philosophy major, I can tell you who's trying to confuse me, Mm -hmm. who is picking the words that are less well-known on purpose stringing them together so you won't know what that means but it's really a simple thing they've made complicated right he's not doing that man right daylight he says life's not a bitch life is a beautiful woman you only call her a bitch because she won't let you get that pussy maybe she didn't feel y'all shared any similar interests or maybe you're just an asshole who couldn't sweet talk the princess Mm. There's nothing confusing about that. No. Right? If you read that portion, you you get it. Like, so you have that, but it's not like said in the in the kind of guy at the poetry reading way, right? No. Because one of my favorite songs to read uh, is Battery. Okay. You remember Battery? Yeah, I'm I'm pulling it up now, yeah. He says, now where I live, there's a homeless man. He sits upon a crate. Yeah. He makes a rusty trumpet sound like the music that angels make. Now, if you ever come and visit me, 
I suggest you watch the show. Tell him Aesop Rock sent you just to hear his horn blow like this. And, and he horn has the horn play. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the, the imagery. There's a design. Is, uh, is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that whole. I'll just read some of the, I'll just read some of the lyrics. Saw the liquid dreams of a thousand babies solidify and picked the rose that wilted. The second I introduced myself as nervous, well, it appears the scars of learning have spoken. Some are burning, some have frozen, some deserve tall tales, some wrote them. Some are just a brutal repercussion of devotion. Mine are all of the above because everything leads to erosion. it's yeah i mean it's if 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 you listen to once you might just dismiss it labor days uh, as i think i did to just be like this is just confusing yeah annoying stuff right Mm -hmm. um but if you really dig into it it's so rewarding it's so rewarding as uh he said, Nate, we ended up on this too. He was like, he said that uh, Aesop Rock's beats that he makes on this are really quite elegant. Yeah, so let's, let me try to did tell what songs. he make the songs. Yes and the All? I love the Yes and the All. He, he did Labor. Yep. He did One Brick, Battery, yep. Boom yep. Bo- and Boombox. So was Blockhead yes in the all? Um, yes. Blockhead is awesome, dude. Yeah. Uh, Bl- Blockhead has produced multiple albums for Billy Woods, uh, Dower Candy, and Known Unknowns, which Known Unknowns is one of my favorites. Uh, he's produced for a lot of super lyrical people who are really good at what they do. Yeah. Uh, and there's a reason, right? It's very cinematic. There's a lot of stuff there, but yeah. it's not too much stuff. Yeah, and I, I felt like um, this album, Labor Days, it was, I, I don't want to say happy medium. It was the medium between the MERS album and, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking right now, The Cold Bang. Yep. Uh, because that there was a level of s- cinema, there was a level of the what I'll say is the production was cinematic, but there was also a little bit more energy than there was for the Cold Bank production. Uh, like if you look at the song, like um, I'm pulling up, give me. Uh, like if you look at you know, uh, Boombox, and even, I think even Shovel, like in 99 to Fiverr's Anthem. There's a level of energy. Yes, they're they're very cinematic, and yes, there's a a sense of gravitas to them. But there is a level of energy that was not present in the cold vein. Here's what I'll suggest we do. Okay. I think we put them on a lemonade scale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. MERS 316, the ninth edition, is Southern Lemonade. 
If you've Agreed. had Southern lemonade, it is sugar, right? Sugar. Yep. That is that is like woo wow. <laughs> um, so it's it's rich, you know, in that sense. It's not, it's mm-hmm. the lemonade that's uh, very sweet on that side of the sweet sweet scale. Yeah. And Cold Vein is the tartest lemonade that like wrinkles your face up. Yeah. Um, and th- by the way, that's my lemonade. That's the lemonade. Cold <laughs> Vein is my favorite of these three albums. It's because uh, I want that hardcore, unrelenting, like, I love that shit. Right. Um, Labor Days is that medium. Yeah. It is that, like, this is some damn good lemonade. Yeah, I mean, you can take, you know, with lemonade, you want to, when you're drinking lemonade, you want you want to have that bitterness, but you also want to have just the right amount of sugar and sweetness to kind of wash away and help you drink that bitterness. Yep, but it's, it's, a, it's an album that cares about the people, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's Labor Day's is about working and how working sucks and how not working is horrible because you have no money. Like it's about the systems of oppression that go on within working and and capitalism, but on a human level, not on, it's not actually about foundational economic. This isn't the big short, right? Mm -hmm. It's, It's about the people and how they feel. Yeah. That's the coolest part of Labor Days to me is it's an empaths album. It's someone who feels other people's pain. Right. And he's not, he's not trying to preach to you necessarily about the evils of capitalism. He, what he's trying to do is he's trying to level with you and he's trying to, I, I appreciate each, I appreciated it because, you know, he picked a topic and he examined that topic from so many different angles. Uh, which, I mean, and that's why I, I, I mean, I really appreciate the ambition of it because it takes a lot of energy to be able to view a topic from different angles and try to find the, find the truth in all of these different angles that you're examining. So a classic comparison for these two albums um and i can i guess i can go all three fuck it mers 316 i would say the the comp is probably something like uh thank you later or or the the first mixtape with houston Atlanta, vegas best i ever had oh uh so far gone oh uh, no 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 uh let's see i think it's maybe it's so far gone i think it's so far gone so far gone. Yeah, so far like, gone. Yeah. So far gone is the birth of an important voice, right? It's like, yeah. oh shit, this guy's got a different take. Um, you know, and it wasn't like this guy's so smart. It was like Houston Atlanta Vegas, what's that? You know, like uh, <laughs> success. Oh, this is an interesting like way to do this. Uh, that MERS has that on that album. Um yeah. Cold Vein. I, what I, to continue about the MERS point, like what I liked about him is that he had a level of innocence to him. Like the reason why Drake works is because 
he has a level of innocence where we kind of like he says these uh what's the best way i want i'm trying to think of a politically correct way to say <laughs> describe the things that he says uh he he he, he says these you know, off kilter, interesting things, but we give him an excuse because it's Drake and he's got like this level of innocence, like, oh, that's just Drake, you know? I mean, he's, right, right, he's, right. he's basically a puppy dog. Yeah. Murr has that level of innocence mixed into his, his voice where you get, you kind of give him a pass. Playfulness. And he plays, uh, yeah. yeah, playfulness, Playful. yeah. And he plays up on that and he knows right. it. Yeah, and, and you're right, you're totally right. Uh, the the comp for Cold Vein to me is uh, Goody Mob Soul Food, mm. which is a legitimate classic. Uh, it is one of the most important organized noise albums. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the production is brilliant. Uh, the voices set each other off. Uh, CeeLo versus Cujo Goody, and all this, all these different voices, different perspectives. Uh, you know, fly song concepts, and that would be my comp for Cold Vein. But it's kind of one of a kind, mm -hmm. right? Like, there isn't necessarily a bunch of classics that people associate uh, with those guys individually or whatever. It was kind of a moment, and I think right. this is the moment. Um, and I think with with Aesop Rockets, it's reasonable doubt. It's like, mm. holy shit, have you heard this guy? <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's a guy. We, one of the things we we talk about, we talk about Jay, and it's something that people don't say because we're supposed to care about money, right? We're supposed to <laughs> say like, this dude has twenty two Grammy nominations. He just, he sold more than the Beatles or whatever. You know, we we've got to do that. Right. Right. Really, what we love is that he changed our language, right? He changed our language. He added things to our language. <clears throat> we liked buying T-shirts with his phrases on them. We like repeating what he said because yeah. it's smarter. It means something to our life. He changed the language, and Aesop literally did the same thing. He changed yeah. the language. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So now we're to the third leg here. Uh, we're talking about Jux as a label, the personality. There's a moment in that documentary that is, it, it really struck me. They're interviewing Vast, and Vast is very open and honest, speaks exactly how he speaks on this album. <laughs> um, and he's talking about how much he loves poetry. He's talking about how much he loves art, and he's, he's doing art. Uh, and he says, I'm fulfilled because I know that what I've done has affected the culture and I love the culture. Mm. This is my culture and I've affected it. And because I've affected it, I am fulfilled. I am happy. And I don't know if he's still happy. I don't know if that was a long time ago, that documentary. But 
that moment is like the definition of underground hip hop, right? It's like, you know, I, I sure everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to have cool stuff, cool hats like me, but more than that, you care about something so deeply. Now you get to contribute to it. Now you get to add to it. And knowing that your name is there. Uh, one of my favorite moments in literature, John Font, F-A-N-T-E, I'm mispronouncing it. I'm bad with, with pronunciation. <laughs> uh, in his like key book, Ask the Dust, the main character has these moments where he like sits and pictures his book in the bookstore and where it would be alphabetically, right? Who's going to be next to him? Who's going to be on this side? Who's going to be on that side? Right? right. And every fucking buddy does that. Every author does that. Everyone who writes that much wants to contribute to what they love right yeah. on the underground level so uh on the pop level when you're talking about that kind of money that goes into pop music people have different motives underground people really want to be a part of that culture and they want to contribute to it and they want to see themselves as a part of it yeah. and jux was that those guys had pure motivations yeah i mean i think with all three of the artists that we listened to what really struck me was the integrity of all of the artists the artists got to make the album that they wanted to make right um and when you're able to make the album that you want to make uh, and say what you want to say, you can't help but have a sense of pride uh, when you look back and you see that, uh, you know, people really uh, took to it or people really um, or, you, or I should say listeners really connected to it. Not only did they connect to, if they connected to the album, they connected to you as a person. That's what they're connecting to. Right. And so you can't, you can't help, help but have a sense of fulfillment uh, when, you, when you look back at it. Because you, you were able to be you and you were, you were able to stay true to yourself and people still felt a connection to it. And it's an insane hap stance, really, because this isn't like a... This isn't a bunch of people who grew up together, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, Rob Sonic's Telecatessen is one of the is one of the important albums in the history of Def Jux. Do you know who produced it? No. Rob Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> the, a lot of these people were fully formed and before they came to Def Jux. Right, mm. and completely different artists. They all just shared this seriousness about what they were doing. Yeah, and I think it made them assholes at times. Probably. Alaska is admitted something that I always felt, which was 
a lot of Def Jukes artists probably resented their audiences at some points. If yeah. those audiences didn't know as much about what they knew, they were like, fuck that guy, you fucking idiot. You know, like, right. uh, and that's where Rhyme Sayers kind of survives because they're touring relentlessly, merching relentlessly, uh, and they don't really worry about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was I mean, I've been to Rhyme Sayers shows where I was like I don't like this audience at all <laughs> this is gross uh, but they were fine right because yeah. you got you to make a living they were much more making a living minded mm-hmm. than Def Jux uh, which was just very pure but it it blew up so big right off the bat. Think about those, like the first like couple albums on this label is like probably Company Flows, Fun Crusher Plus, which is considered a classic. Fantastic Damage, which is a classic. Uh, Cold Vein, Labor Days, and all. I mean, people are nuts. <laughs> all of a sudden, they're huge. And they didn't have the infrastructure for it. Mm. But they taught generations of people how to make how to make their version of it. Mm-hmm. The influences is really important. Yeah. And the kind of forward momentum we talked about with like the run DMC-ness of some of these albums. Uh, where there's like hard hitting sounds, fast moving tracks, you know, uh, people stamping down on the lines in an old school way. Yeah. It's cool that that stuff didn't die because of Def Jokes, right? Def Jokes found a way to repurpose that. Yeah. 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 I mean, they repurpose, they repurpose it and they kind of, tweaked it and evolved it in a little bit uh said so you had that you know that driving uh those driving lyrics and driving momentum at the same time it's contrasted by these beats that are very atmospheric very like heavy heavy beats like and i mean heavy not as in like emotionally but heavy as in like lp's production just feels heavy yeah i, I said thick and i i didn't mean it yeah, like yeah that's i didn't mean it like like ooh ladies thick or <coughs> i meant it like a sandwich right like yes you get like a sandwich from a deli and there's like so many layers and you're like yes sandwich. it feels it it sounds and feels dense it's right. very dense very thick so when you have like that you know this driving and and it's like i think for me it's more prevalent in um aesop rocks because he's so he's so relentless so when you have like that relentlessness mixed with this uh with this production that's very dense very thick it makes like for an interesting combination that kind of throws the listener for a loop Mm -hmm. yeah no it's 
um, it's cool. Uh, yeah. And it's what, what, what do you think of, what do you connect from the music you heard to what you hear today? Like, I think of, like, when I think of particularly cinematic music, like, I, what, the, the song that came to mind to me, came to mind for modern music would be uh, So Appalled by Kanye West. Oh, wow. Um... That was just, and then if you look at, you know, So Appalled by Kanye West, you look at some of Drake's, Drake's music, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking particularly in the Views era. Yep. Um, just that really cinematic, atmospheric music uh, was, was kind of, I, like, I, I heard that in, in the, these not not necessarily MERS, but definitely in uh, Aesop Rock and uh, Coldman. Right. No, it's a. Uh, let me see here. So I was. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It's it's everywhere, and it's really it's really wild because there was a song. There's a posse cut. We're going to be talking about this album probably next week. Your old Droog released an mm -hmm. album called Dump Yod. <laughs> and I think, what is it? Dump Cod Crutoy Edition. It has a big posse track with your old Doog, Droog, Mac Hami, uh, Black Thought, uh, The God Fahim, and LP. Wow. And LP swallows that song. LP is unbelievable. Wow. And he's he's unbelievable on Aesop's album back in Labor Days. He's unbelievable on uh, Ridiculize on the, the Cold Vein. He's he's an amazing talent. I after listening to these albums, I updated my all-time list and put Aesop mm -hmm. at 16. Wow. Yeah, but I haven't figured out what to do with LP. I can't divorce how much, how important he is as a producer. Right, him as a rapper. I mean, I, I love every LP solo album. They are all super good, and I love Run the Jewels, and I, he's. Bar for bar, fantastic. I mean, I I really think Run the Jewels kind of, it kind of you know reshaped his legacy in a lot of ways. And we have to because of Run the Jewels, we have to view it, view him and his legacy in a different light than we we did before it. Yeah. No. I mean, he's grown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, for me, I'm, he's a great, yes, he's a great rapper, but his production is what I, what, that's what I'm, I'm going to identify LP more with his production than I am with his rapping. It's, it's hard for me in the sense that, like, I can do that with Kanye, right? In my mm -hmm. mind, Kanye is a much better producer than he is a rapper. 
Agreed. So I'm like, right on. You know, like these producer first, you know, talk about the MCing later. With with LP, it's so neck and neck. Like he clearly deserves an all-time spot on an MC's list because Oof. he is there's like people on an all-time MC's list that he's better than. Right. Um, and the, by the way, that's the one thing we didn't talk about was this was during an era with 2001, right? Yep. Eminem is dominating. Yep. Jay-Z, I think Blueprint, Blueprint uh, was yep. released in 2001. Yeah. Yep. Nelly, maybe Nelly was big back then. I think it was maybe, I think it's possible that one of those was the same week as, uh, as, as the, the release of Blueprint. Uh, but yeah, anyway, they right. you go to check the so we'll get Darn Adams on that. The uh, but it's Eminem was dominating, and the press was using it in a way like this is a serious white rapper. Look at this. This is <laughs> boys talking about macaroni and cheese, and it was really frustrating for underground people who were listening to Labor Days and who were listening to fantastic damage and we're listening to cold vein and we're saying no guys there's a whole bunch of these cats you don't see yeah and like i have aesop rock a lot higher than eminem on my list Agre- a lot higher Agre- yeah i i mean that may at first sound like a hot take but no i, I i'd agree i'd agree with you actually and if I thought about it, I, yeah, I'd much rather listen to LP rap than Eminem rap. Like, yeah, I, he's he's excellent. Uh, but I don't know where to put him. It's it's because of the talents. Uh, it's it's. Uh, but I, I, he's an incredible all-around talent, and one of the most important figures in rap history i think his beats have been ripped off yeah and that way that may be what help holds lp back like because when he's rapping he's usually rapping on something that he produced right 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 so it's a, it's a little bit different than like if you look at like a you know, a Jay-Z, a, a Tupac, right. maybe even Eminem. Well, Eminem produces, but it's not that good. But It's not that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But most of the time when, when like a top lyricist is rapping, they're rapping over a diverse assortment of producers' beats. Right. Uh, like we've heard Jay on Just Blaze production, Kanye production, Swiss Beats production. Uh, we've heard him on different soundscape. When LP produce, I mean, when LP raps, because he's a great producer, he's probably produced the track. And the weird part about an LP experience is he might produce your album, then feature on your album, <laughs> and be the best verse on your album. <laughs> Just eat your whole shit. Like, so it's, it's like an unfair, it's, it's almost like an unfair advantage. You know what I mean? Like... Yes, it's of course he's gonna know what. He, of course he's gonna sound good because he made the he made the thing or he produced. One it. of these dudes is like, 
you know, the home run king was 60 home runs, but he's stealing bases and <laughs> fucking golden glove catching shit. You're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Ken yeah. shit. He's on some Ken Griffey shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot to handle, uh, yeah. to be honest. But recommendation corner, Sleep Sinatra routes. Woo! I I've gotten advanced copies of albums before, but usually they were like advanced copies of albums that sucked. <laughs> People were like, "I made this in my NYU room," and you're like, "Fuck! All right, man." <laughs> um, but this was like an album I wanted to hear. Mm. I really enjoyed Sleep. I've, I've I've repped him and I've written stuff about him, and it was uh, and I was you know he's announced that he had an album coming with August Fanon who's an incredible producer produced for Armand Hammer Vic Spencer uh, you know this is on and on and on oh Iceberg Theory mm-hmm. uh, just, just a, a, an incredible producer and so I was like this is going to be epic and he was like, any press that want advanced copies, let me know. And I was like, hit me. <laughs> and he did. Um, and I was like, I've got to cover this, man. Like, uh, and I posted the review today. Uh, everybody should check it out. It's Bandcamp Day Friday. Buy the fucking thing. Trust me. Uh, What's the name of the album again? Routes. Routes. Okay. Yep. Sleep is a good dude, man. You will you will not have any of the MERS issues. Sleep is a very solid dude. Um, and I had been in my head referring to him as having Dragic flow. Uh, because Goran Dragic is an example of someone who, you know, when your lead point guard sucks, you're nervous all the time. As a uh-huh. fan, as a fan, if your lead yeah. point sucks, you're nervous all the time, right? <laughs> um, but having Dragic, Dragic, you're comfortable every time he has the ball. Yeah. If you're if you're rooting against him, you're terrified every time he has the ball. Yeah. Because he's dangerous all the yeah. time. Uh, but he was he's reliable, right? Yeah. You can always rely on Dragic. Giving you what seventeen and five, right? Right. Uh, three rebounds, whatever. Um, you know, you know, Dragic. He may not be the best player on the court per se, but you know, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. No, he's. You you don't have to worry about mis- the boneheaded mistakes that can kill teams. You can you can believe in him, and yes. you can believe in sleep and. Uh, so I've called it Dragic Flow, and I was talking about Dragic Flow in the in the review, and he posted the article and was like hashtag Dragic Flow, yes. and I responded <laughs> like Dragic Flow's lived in my head all year, and now it's <laughs> born. It's it's in the world. Uh, it's so cool. So <clears throat> I, I'm so happy to see people from all over the place making a living, making good music. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Support them and listen to it. It's good. It's good shit. Um, so yeah, find that great cover, great video. There's like a video snippet he put up 
but yeah, routes sleep Sinatra, August Fanon. Good deal. Okay. Parting uh, Pornhub tips for the people. You want to give it? Oh no. <laughs> Look, I had one drink. That's it. <laughs> Just relax. I see it. <laughs>